You are listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast, brought to you by bellatorchristie.com. Now join your host, Brian Chilton, as we enter the arena of ideas. message last week uh, on, uh, on a question about what does heaven look like? What does heaven look like? And I know on my notes as I'm preparing my notes, I know that when I get to around three or four pages, that's enough for one message. This thing grew to about eight to ten pages, so I thought we, well, I'm going to definitely have to split this thing up into two parts. So last week we saw the first two sections of what heaven's going to look like. We looked at the uh, scene of the sun. In case you weren't here last week, you have some uh, notes there in the insert of your bulletin that shows the first two sections. The scene of the sun. We noticed the sun's unity with the church as he's walking around the seven golden lampstands, which represents the church. We noticed the authority of Christ as he has this gold sash uh, representing his authority. His voice is cascading waters, which represents the power of his voice. We noticed also that he had a sword coming from his mouth, not literally, but metaphorically, speaking of the fact that when Christ speaks, he has the judgment to execute judgment at his spoken word. And we also noticed that he had eyes of a flaming fire, so that when he looks at us, he not only sees the exterior of a person, but he looks to within the very soul of a human being. He knows your past, he knows your present, he knows your future, he knows everything there is to know about you, and we notice that his judgment is, is, uh, is true. We notice his purity through his white hair and white clothing. We also notice his supremacy through his awesome strength as represented by the, gold, uh, the bronzed feet that he has. We see the, son of, the scene of the source being God. We noticed his power by his fiery presence. And remember last week we said this jasper color is really more akin to a blue diamond that shines forth every light in the spectrum but has this bluish, bluish hue to it. And outside the, uh, the presence of God we see that there is this carnelian stone, uh, a light like a carnelian stone, red fiery presence. Uh, we also see the infinity of God represented by the emerald light. The faithfulness of God represented by the rainbow which denotes the covenant of old. We see the authority from the flashes of lightning. The personality of God through the Holy Spirit, that is the seven spirits before the throne. And then the holiness of God represented by the sea of glass uh, at the very foot of His throne. Today we're going to continue this message as we look at two more scenes from heaven. We want to take a look at the citizens in heaven, and we want to look at the city of heaven. And we have a lot of passages of Scripture today, but I'm just going to read the first two at this time, and then the second two we'll cover as we go through the message. So first and foremost, if everyone would stand as we read Revelation chapter 4, starting in verse 6, reading through verse 11. Now, the opening part of chapter 4 is looking at the throne of God, looking at the presence of God. And so we see that in verse 6, before the throne there was this sea of glass like crystal. We noted that this, 
The imagery of the sea is one of chaos and disunity, and because this is laying flat like glass, represents the peace and holiness that God brings. But then we see, as we continue, that in the midst of the throne and around the throne, there were four living creatures, full of eyes. Now here I think again, it's metaphorical. I don't think he's being literal. Full of eyes in front and back. Now we come back to the literal. The first living creature was like a lion. The second living creature was like a calf. The third living creature had the face like a man. And the fourth living creature was a flying eagle. Was like a flying eagle. The living four creatures had each had six wings full of eyes around and within. And they do not rest day or night saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to Him who sits on the throne and lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before Him who sits on the throne and worship Him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive honor and glory and power, for You created all things, and by Your will they exist and were created. Now let's turn over to chapter 7 and look at verse 9 through 17. And when you're there, let me hear you say amen. After these things, now in the first part of this chapter, we learn about uh, this, those of Israel sealed up. We learn about the 144,000, which are those who were saved during this global tribulation that happens. And we see that after these things, I looked and behold a great multitude, which no one could number, of all nations tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and of the Lamb. All the angels stood before the throne, and the elders and the four living creatures, and fell on their faces before the throne, and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. And then we go on down to, uh, we go on down to, let's go on down to uh, verse uh, 14. And I said to them, Sir, you know, he who said to me, These things are the ones who come out of the great tribulation, washed their uh, robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And then we also see that uh, in verse 17, For the Lamb who is in the midst of your throne will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Dear kind and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and what it means to us. We just ask, Lord, this morning that you allow me to speak the words that need to be spoken and hold back any words that don't need to be spoken. So that in and through it all, Lord, we would have our eyes open to the truth of what heaven's going to be like, our ears opened to hear, and our, and our hearts open to apply these things and take comfort in the promises that you've given us. For it's in Jesus' name we ask all these things. Amen and amen. You may be seated. I read a funny little story the other week about these three men who go up to heaven and uh, they approach God, God's throne. And God says, well... You've all, been, you've all accepted me as Savior, heaven is your reward, but we've got some extra blessings for you, something a little extra for you to determine where you're going to live in heaven. And these three men who died and was part of a car accident all approached God's throne and God says, now I know the truth, so answer truthfully or you'll, you'll, you'll lose all the rewards that you have. 
He said, he said, I want to ask you a question. How faithful have you been to your wife? And the first man says, well, God, I've been faithful to my wife. And God says, you're right, you have been. So for your efforts, we're going to give you a, a mansion and a limousine that's going to escort you everywhere in heaven. You're going to have a wonderful limousine escorting you wherever you want to go. The second man says, well, God, I've got to admit, I cheated on my wife a couple of times. God says, you told the truth. So I'm going to give you a four-bedroom house and a BMW for telling the truth. The third man says, well, I, I was a little bit of a ladies' man. I cheated on my wife eight times. And he says, all right. He says, well, you get a one-bedroom apartment and a pinto. Maybe it's a granada like Dad used to have. It had the hole in it. The dust would fly up and choke you everywhere you went. And then, you know, so, so off they go. They're enjoying their places. And the second and third man saw the first man. And they said, and they saw the first man was in tears. And they said, man, what do you have to cry about? You've got this mansion. You've got a limousine that escorts you wherever you want to go. He says, no, guys, you don't understand. It's not that. He said, I saw my wife, and she was riding on a skateboard and living in a cardboard box. <laughs> That's what was the matter with me. <laughs> well, luckily... <laughs> I don't think we'll have to worry about cardboard boxes in heaven. But what we do see in these passages of Scripture is that we catch a glimpse of the citizens who are in heaven and we catch a glimpse of the city itself. Let's take a look first and foremost at the scene of the citizens. Who is going to be in heaven? This is a big question we all have. As we look at heaven, this spiritual realm that we're going to have when we die, to be absent from the body, present with the Lord, we've noted. And then this new creation uh, that we experience when God recreates the heavens and the earth and all things. Uh, this is going to be a place that's going to be bountiful with life. And you're going to see all kinds of individuals there and all kinds of beings there. In fact, we see first and foremost angelic beings, angelic citizens. Now, how many of you have ever seen a picture of a cherub? Anyone ever seen a picture of a cherub? These cherubs, or the cherubim, uh, you know where I'm going with this, they are normally depicted as, let's be honest, naked, chubby, winged babies. Anybody ever seen that? <laughs> Y'all came in a good point. <laughs> they, they, they're depicted as this. But look what, look what the Bible describes cherubim as. These things look nothing like the pictures you see. In fact... They're said to have four faces, one like a lion, one like an ox, one like a man, and one like an eagle. They have six wings, and they cover themselves before the very presence of God, and they stand before the holiest places of God. They're the ones that protected the Garden of Eden it kept Adam and Eve out. And so we see these cherubim. These cherubim are guardians of God's holiest places. And understand when it comes to the throne of God, they're not protecting God from other people. They're serving as uh, sentinels or protectors, protecting people from getting too close to God. Because you see, God's holiness is one that it's going to do one of two things if you stand before God's throne. If you're, if you're purified, it's going to purify you even more. But if you're not right with God, you're going to be destroyed. God's holiness is not something to be tampered with. In fact, it's something that either, either purifies or destroys what comes before it. So these cherubim are kind of like 
worship leaders, massive angels. Ezekiel says that they are, they are really odd, bizarre-looking angels that ride on these wheel within the wheels, and, they, and they're as fast as lightning, and they can see in all directions. You can't sneak up on these things. But these cherubim are going to be in heaven. You're going to see these cherubim. And I'd kind of like to see one. I don't know about you, but I, I guess I've got just an imagination. I just kind of want to see what one of these things look like. But you also see this seraphim. Now let me just say this. There are nine orders of angels the Bible tells us about. And the, and the cherubim are the highest ranking angels of all. They're even ranked higher than the archangels. These are the highest ranking angels of all because they protect the holiest places. The Bible tells us about another type of angel you're going to see there. Isaiah encountered this angel called the seraphim. The seraph is described by Isaiah as being an, uh, an angel of intense light Almost like fire. Almost like he's engulfed with fire. Isaiah is an interesting prophet. He was called by God to preach the message, and he had kind of a story like myself. Something happened apparently with Isaiah where he stopped prophesying for a period of time. He stopped preaching for a while. And God called him back in the ministry. And, and he says, well, Lord, I'm a man of unclean lips. I don't deserve to go back and preach your word. And one of these seraphim, one of the seraphs came down and took a hot, hot poker, hot coal, and placed it to the lips of Isaiah and says, I'm going to purify you. You're set now. You're ready to go. These seraphim are intense-looking angels and quite, quite impressive. Then you have archangels. The Bible tells us about two archangels, Gabriel and Michael. Gabriel is the herald of God. He goes and he brings forth good messages, uh, wonderful messages. He told Mary that she was going to be with child and she was to name him uh, Jesus. And uh, he was the herald of the good news. Michael is a fighter angel. He's a protector of God's people. That's why he's often depicted in art with having a sword because he is a protector of God's people. But did you know that there are others, other literature that tells us that there may be as many as seven archangels? These seven archangels uh, have been identified as Gabriel, Michael, Raphael, Uriel, Ra uh, Raguel, uh, Saraquel, and Remiel. These are seven archangels that are seen to be identified uh, not only in Scripture but in other writings of the time. We see also the Bible tells us, it gives us indication that we have guardian angels. Now again, we're not to worship these angels, and we're going to talk about that in a moment. But there seems to be this idea, because if you remember when Simon Peter was imprisoned, remember in Acts, he was released from prison, he came to Mary's house, Mary, the mother of John Mark, and they saw... Uh, Rhoda, the servant, saw Peter there. Rhoda, she doesn't even let him in the house. She goes and tells Mary, and remember what Mary said? It must be his angel. So there was this idea and understanding that we all probably have guardian angels. And there are other angels. In fact, Christians have traditionally understood that there are nine ranks of angels listed in Scripture. These nine ranks from the highest to lowest would include the cherubim, the seraphim, Angels attending God's throne, otherwise known as thrones. Angelic dominions, angelic virtues, angelic powers, angelic principalities, archangels, and then your regular ordinary angel. Praise God, you're going to get to see all these angels in heaven. And isn't that going to be absolutely fascinating? Not only to see human beings that are there, but these myriads and myriads of angels, all different, 
all unique, all looking their own way. You're going to see all these different angels in heaven. Now, again, I, I, have, uh, I used to not tell anybody this because I thought, well, people are going to think I'm crazy. But I came to realize that people already think I'm crazy, so I've got nothing to lose. Amen? And Bob said it loud again. <laughs> but on three occasions, I've had the opportunity to see what I believe were angels. One was at a hospital. And on two of the three occasions, I had other people who saw the same thing that I saw, so I know that I'm not completely crazy. But as I was talking, Gavin and I were talking a couple Wednesday nights ago, we were talking about angels and demons and things of this nature. The thing about while I was amazed, and while other people who saw them were amazed, we never, thought, we never felt threatened. We always felt peace. The people who were with me, in fact, the lady at the hospital who saw it, uh, she was uh, dying of lung cancer, quite honestly. She didn't feel ill at ease. We both felt at peace. We were amazed. We, you know, we about lost our shoes when we saw that. But we never felt threatened. So while these angels are quite honestly amazing and, and really, some, some of them are just frightening looking if you think about it, especially the cherubim, we've got nothing to fear because they are attendants of God. They are ministering spirits that God has created. And understand, they are here to help us. And praise God for that. Amen? And I believe we're going to see beautiful, beautiful angels in heaven. But we also not only see that, but we see human citizens in heaven as well. Now, let me just tell you, I had a good question asked a few weeks ago, and I want to handle this here. Some people uh, have taught that there are only going to be 144,000 in heaven. Have you ever heard of that? Let me just go ahead and tell you, that's a bunch of fooey. Because the Scripture says, look what the Scripture says, what this is, and I'm just going to take a little time, bear with me, I know we're running down on time, but just bear with me, this is too important to skip over. The 144,000 that you see in Revelation 7 verses 1 through 8 are those who were saved during a time of global tribulation. And I really believe this, I believe there's ample scripture, in fact, uh, some of the books I've been reading recently from scripture indicates the fact that before God judges the world, He's going to come and redeem the church. Now we don't know when that's going to be. Kaz and I have talked about this. There's no indication when that's going to happen. It could happen before this message is finished, for all we know. But Christ is going to come and He's going to redeem the church. Now, there's going to be a time of global uh, tribulation upon the earth where God is going to judge the earth itself. And thankfully, that during that time, there are going to be some individuals from Israel who were saved. And the 144,000 that are mentioned in Revelation 7 are those individuals who were saved during that period of time. That's not saying that that's all there is going to be in heaven, because look at verse 9. John not only sees the 144,000, but look what he sees in verse 9. He says, After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude which no one could number was in heaven. That means there's going to be so many people in heaven, there's not even a number you can put with it. Amen? There are going to be so many people around God's throne, there are going to be so many people praising God that you can't even put a number on it. Is there only going to be 144,000? Absolutely not. There are going to be millions upon billions of people in heaven and man, I'm telling you what, this is absolutely amazing to me. Because I'm going to tell you, you, they're going to come from all different nations, all different tribes. 
They're going to be, you're going to see Chinese people in heaven. You're going to see Arab people in heaven. You're going to see Jewish people in heaven. You're going to see African people in heaven. European people, North American, South American, everywhere in between. Australians, yeah, you're going to have the shrimp on the barbie, mate. You're going to have all of that. You're going to have people from all walks of life there in heaven. And praise God, we're all going to understand what everyone else is saying. Amen? Language barriers will not exist in heaven. And so time is, is not even going to be a factor because you're going to meet people from Old Testament days. You're going to meet people from the first century. You're going to meet people uh, even from today and even from the future if God allows us to keep going. So the fact that we see that all these people coming together is a, is a glimpse of what we see, of what we're going to see in heaven. You're going to see a huge population of people in heaven, and what a wondrous day that's going to be. You know, and I'm also looking forward to, uh, and I wouldn't plan on saying this, but I'm going to say it anyhow. I was walking in the cemetery a few days ago, and I was looking around some of the tombstones. Praise God, actually, there's not going to be any tombstones in heaven. That's going to be great. But I was looking at one of the first pastors of this church, his tombstone over there. It's one of the tall ones. Back, he died back in the 1800s sometime. Elder, and I can't think of his name right offhand. But I thought, boy, it would be neat just to sit and talk with him. Just, just to, to talk about what it was like when this church was first formed. What it was like whenever they first developed this church and first started the Huntsville Baptist Church. What that would be amazing. Praise God, one day we're going to get to. Amen? We're going to get to talk to people from all walks of life. We're going to get to talk to people from all generations. What a wonderful day that's going to be. Let me just say also that we see the scene of the city. We see several things in chapter 21, verse 9 through 14. Let's flip over to Revelation 21, verse 9 through 14. Notice he says that one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls of wrath filled... Uh, filled with the, the seven last plagues, came to me. He takes John up on a high city, we see in verse 10. And then uh, he says, uh, he saw Jerusalem coming down, having the glory of God. Her light was like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. And then he goes, about, goes down and talking about all these different gemstones that you see. And all these ge- different gemstones come from every color you can imagine. Heaven's going to be a colorful place, amen? It's going to be a beautiful place. And then we also see down in verse 22 through 23, I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city had no need of the sun or the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light. Verse 24, All the nations that are saved shall walk in its light, and the kings of the earth shall bring glory and honor into it. First of all, we see the city's connection. We see that this this city is connected with the glory of Almighty God. What gives this place its beauty? David and I were talking about this, about how much of the scenery we see in heaven is literal and how much of it's symbolic. And, And it's hard to decipher. And it may be that it's all symbolic. It may be that it's all literal. But the most important thing is really not that. The most important thing is that God, its connection with God is what gives Heaven, it's beauty. Amen? The, the streets of gold and all these different things, whether they be literal, whether they be metaphorical, is showing the fact that God's light is shining forth in this place. And it's because of God that heaven is beautiful. It's because it's connected with God because we have no need of a church building. We have, we have what we find in heaven. The temple of God itself is heaven. And we see this new Jerusalem. 
And I believe the Bible tells us that we're going to have a new heaven and a new earth. And I believe the new Jerusalem is just a capital city. It's not all of heaven. There's another earth outside of there to, to explore. The gates of the city never close, so you can go in and out of that gate, in and out of the city. You want to go talk to God? You can talk to Him anytime you want to. You can talk to Him now if you want to. I mean, the fact of the matter is, you can go before God's presence anytime you want. You can go exploring the new universe all you want. Heaven is going to be a beautiful place, but what gives it its beauty is its connection with God. We see in verses 24 and 27 of chapter 21, the holiness of the city. Now, why is it that it needs no more sunlight? Because God's light is shining forth in this place. And God's holiness it gives this place a perfection. You know, this is going to be a perfect place. There aren't going to be, praise God, cardboard boxes in heaven. There aren't going to be homeless people in heaven. There's not going to be all the plagues we see in heaven. And praise God, there will be no po corrupt politics in heaven. Can I get an amen? No more corrupt politicians in heaven if any of them even make it there. You know, let's be honest. Uh, if any of them even make it there. Uh, but let's be honest. Uh, heaven is not going to be corrupt politically. It's not going to be corrupt in any manner whatsoever. Heaven is going to be perfect because it's filled with the holiness of God Almighty. And notice that the people who are there walk in the holiness of God. Praise God for that. Amen. We mentioned this Wednesday night. We've mentioned this before. A lot of times we've been in church, maybe, maybe we've hurt one another, maybe we've said things that have been taken the wrong way, but praise the Lord, there's coming a day that we as a church will be perfect. Well, we'll not only get to love God the way He deserves to be loved, but Nolan, we're going to get to love one another. Amen? We're going to love one another the way God has called us to love one another, and we're going to be able to, to come together in a unity that we've never before seen, and what an amazing place that's going to be. And we're also going to see in chapter 22, verses 1 through 5, the city's life. Notice it says, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. And in the middle of its street, on either side of the river, catch this, was the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and His servants shall serve Him. They shall see His face, and His name shall be on their foreheads. I don't think that's literal. Of course, it wouldn't be a big deal if God's name was written on their foreheads, would it? I mean, it really wouldn't be a big deal. But I think here He's talking about the connection that He has with us. There shall be no more night there. They need no lamp nor light of the sun, for the Lord gives them the light. And they shall reign forever and ever. Praise God. Amen. This is going to be a beautiful place, folks, but this is going to be a place beaming with life. I, I had an opportunity speaking at Jules' funeral, and what a wonderful... I can't wait to see her again. And as a matter of fact, Tony, that was the reason I was walking in the cemetery, because I had to just go by and see... Uh, Miss Jewel again, what a wonderful lady of God she is. We have wonderful people in the cemetery I can't wait to see again. But I, I, I want to tell you, and we're going to deal with this in a future message, and if you want to hear it, you have to come back <laughs> to hear it. But we're going to talk about life in heaven. We're going to talk about all the things you're going to see in heaven. This is going to be a place beaming with life. If God has showed off now, 
in his, the creation we see now, it's not anything compared to what God's going to do in heaven. This is going to be a place beaming with life. In fact, it shows us wherever the river of water of life flows, you see vegetation, you see life abounding because God is a living God. God's not a dead God. God is a living God, and He gives this place beautiful, beautiful life. There's no more disease. There's no more depression. There's no more despair, no more anxiety. What's there to be anxious about in heaven when there's no evil? <laughs> What's there to be anxious in heaven when, when you don't have to lock your doors anymore, amen? You can leave. If there, if there are cars in heaven, which I don't know that there will be, but if there are cars in heaven, you can leave your keys in the car and your windows down and your doors unlocked and not have to worry about anybody stealing anything in heaven, amen? You won't have to worry about it, Caleb. I'm sorry, man, but you're going to be out of job in heaven because there's going to be no more crime, <laughs> he says, good, you know. Uh, there's there's going to be no need for police officers or no EMS workers, no doctors or anything of the sort because there's going to be no crime whatsoever. There's going to be no disease. There's going to be no health care because we've got the perfect health care already. When you have a body that never gets sick and never dies, then you don't need health care, amen? No insurance. What is there to insure? You're never going to get hurt. <laughs> you don't have to worry about any of these things. No more mortgages. Praise the Lord for that. Because heaven's been given to you. I mean, nothing like this. I mean, you're talking about a place where there is absolutely no worry whatsoever. Praise the Lord for that. And let me just close with this. Talking about sicknesses and diseases and stuff like that. I was joking with Dennis Shaw recently. And I was telling him, I said, I said man, I said, it seemed like every week someone in our house gets sick. I said, it's like we have a revolving door of sickness. And so I said, in fact, man, I'm beginning to wonder if we need an exorcist. And I was asking Dennis if he was trained in exorcisms. And he says, well, no, I've never come across that. <laughs> I can't help you there with that. But, you know, sometimes there's been so much flu, there's been so much sickness, that we look at this and think, my goodness, it's overwhelming. And Ashley said, well, it's probably going to be made before it finally gets out of here from what they're saying. But praise the Lord in heaven, you're not going to have to worry about flu shots or any type of shots. No more shots in heaven because there's no more sickness in heaven. And if there's no more sickness in heaven, you don't have to worry about any of that stuff anymore. No more problems like that whatsoever. And I don't know about you, but just catching these few little snapshots of the glory of Christ, of the glory of God, of the glory of the people who are going to be there, the angels and human beings that will be there, the picture of the life abounding that's going to be there. I don't know about you, but it kind of makes me want to go. Anybody else like that? It kind of makes me want to go. But praise the Lord, if your name has been written on the Lamb's book of life, your ticket has been punched. And you are assured a place in this, this very place that's been described by John the Revelator. And how do you know if your name's written on the Lamb's book of life? By receiving the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Jesus says that those who are in his hands, not even the devil can pluck out. You are guaranteed, my friends, if you have placed your faith and trust in Christ, no one can take away your place in heaven. And I don't know about you, but that gives me hope to know that to, be, to live as Christ, we do have a job here on earth, but to die is gain. Quite honestly, we're a winner either way. And aren't you glad that God makes us winners? He's the one that makes us winners. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you are here today and you've never received Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to encourage you to come down and receive Him today. 
It's just as simple as coming down. Simple ABC. First of all, admitting that you're a sinner and you need salvation. B, believe that Christ is the Son of God, that He died for your sins um, and He rose again from the dead. Simple belief. And belief doesn't mean just acknowledging the facts, but trusting Him with your, with your salvation. C is confession. Confessing to the Lord your need and desire to receive His salvation and telling other people about the salvation you've received in Christ. And I would even add a D there. To dedicate your life to Christ and make Him the Lord of your life. If you've never made that profession of faith, I want to encourage you to come down today and do, just follow those simple steps. And God says that He will save you, He will forgive you of your sin, the Holy Spirit of God will come down upon you, and your ticket to heaven will be punched. A ticket that no one could ever take away from you. This place that we're talking about is a very real place that we will one day see. And we together as a family of God we'll be able to come together and worship God in one mind, one heart, and one spirit. Won't you come? Dear kind of gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truths of heaven that we find. We thank you so much, Lord, to, to realize that this place that you're describing is not a fictional place, but it's a very real place that you have promised us. It's as re- real as the resurrection of, that you have had itself. It's as real as, as your presence, and it's as real as the air we breathe and the blood that's flowing through our bodies. So, Lord, if there's anyone here today that's never received this gift of salvation, I want to simply ask, Lord, that you would move upon their hearts and lead them to salvation today. For it is truly by grace that we are saved by faith, and that not of ourselves is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Have your will your way in this time of invitation. For in Jesus' name we ask all these things. Amen. Please stand as we sing the final song. expressed on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of bellatorchristi.com or its affiliates. The Bellator Christi podcast is a production of bellatorchristi.com and is protected under Creative Commons copyright. All rights reserved. The theme song is Crucified, written by John and Kayla Lemonese, performed by Crosby Lane, and produced by Mansion Entertainment. Be sure to visit bellatorchristi.com and subscribe so that you can receive all the articles and podcasts in your inbox for free. Catch us on iTunes, TuneIn, and Stitcher. For Brian Chilton, this is Burl Childers saying God bless, and we'll see you the next time as we enter into the arena of ideas. Some say the best Bible translation is the one that's most literal, word for word, through and through. But there's not always a direct English translation of ancient words. So others say the best Bible translation should favor readability, thought for thought, holding on to the same meaning. But we can all agree 
that the very best Bible translation is one you trust and one that you want to read. One that stirs your heart and moves you to share its truth. The Christian Standard Bible has been shown to be an optimal blend of accuracy and readability compared to other leading translations. The very best balance, faithfulness to the original text, and clear language that connects to the heart. After all, it's not so much about changing your Bible translation, but about seeing the Bible change your life. Point your heart to true north. The Christian Standard Bible. The Christian Standard Bible is the official translation of BellatorChristi.com. Go pick up your translation of the CSB today. Life. Liberty. And the pursuit of happiness. Our great nation was built on these simple principles. So was our university. Find your greatness at Liberty. Online or on campus, discover more at liberty.edu. It's the difference between a job and a career. You've heard their music here on the Bellator Christie podcast. Now you can see them live in person. Crosby Lane will be with us Sunday. March 18th at 6 p.m. at Huntsville Baptist Church in Yakinville, North Carolina. Come hear their song, Crucified, that's played here on the podcast, as well as many others. Once again, that's Sunday, March 18th, 6 o'clock p.m. at Huntsville Baptist Church in Yakinville, North Carolina. Admission is free, but we will take a love offering to help cover expenses. We hope to see you there. <laughs> 